And welcome back to the Constitutionals Podcast. I'm your host, Chad White. If you didn't know, this is the premier podcast for the website, cpluscomedy.com. Like I just said, it's a website. Go there. Here we go. Comfortable Monday. Just another comfy Monday. I just bowed for the listeners. Uh, what's going on this week? This is 2.30, episode 2.30. Uh, the the show. Uh, what are we doing this week? Something happened. It's a lot of stuff happened. <laughs> oh god! You know what? I tell you, the lighting looks fantastic. I'll just say that right off the bat. Okay, let's get started because we this is late and uh, I got a lot of stuff to talk about. All right, so here we go. Deadline. This comes from Peter White, written by uh, yeah Peter White over a deadline. <laughs> Paramount Movie Network. Put on ice as Viacom CBS Nix's rebrand for Yellowstone Network. Now don't let the headline fool you. They're the Paramount Network staying around. If you don't know, a couple years ago, Spike TV rebranded to Paramount Network. Like truly, like a couple of years ago. And they were gonna be they the Paramount Network or Viacom CBS is trying to turn try to turn, or is trying to currently turn Paramount Network into a premier, high-class, basic cable network, much like AMC has done for itself. And uh, you know, I'll go ahead and say I'll put a FX in the same in the same vein, the FX family of networks. Remember when uh, I remember when when FX uh, started FXX, the second FX channel, and that was meant to be. Comedy driven, comedy and action, I believe, but mostly comedy. And that, and they moved Always Sunny over there when Louie was on. They kept Louie at FX because that was a premiere show for them. And they, and like every comedy show, basically premiered on FXX. And then uh, eventually that just stopped. It <laughs> just kind of stopped happening. It, it is now, it is still mostly comedy focused, but now it doesn't matter what network it comes on, what, what network anything comes on, on for the FX family. The exception of uh, Family Networks, with the exception of um, FXM, which is all movies, because FX movies is a movie channel. I like FX. I also like Paramount Network. I like one show on Paramount Network. I like that. Yeah, I, like, I, like, I think Paramount Network's fine. So last year, it was uh, talked about, oh, and actually two years ago, it looks like. Uh, apparently, I'm wrong. I'm wrong about things sometimes. Most of the time, uh, they were going. The, Viacom CBS was essentially going to turn Paramount Network uh, not only into the premier basic cable network, but it was going to be a movie network. As Mr. White writes, Steadline understands that the company has put the plans, which first emerged in September 2020, on hold, part due to the COVID 19 pandemic, which has a major impact on production. But Viacom CBS has reverse plans to rebrand the cable network as Paramount Movie Network. So what they were going to do is they were going to do 52 new movies a year. 52 original new movies a year. With one miniseries or scripted series airing per quarter. So that's four basically big shows in the same vein as Yellowstone. And 52 new movies. And I believe it was Hallmark this year or this past Christmas. And they did something like, uh, let's see. Hallmark movies 
excuse me, Hallmark Christmas movies. I spelled Christmas with an X. I spelled Christmas x Christmas, x Christmas. They did 40, 40 new Christmas movies. So you can, you can see what kind of quality was going to come out of there. And I know Paramount Network's different from from uh, from Hallmark and, and the rest of those, but I mean, come on. When Netflix did uh, one new comedy special a year, uh, I don't think all, all, all of them were uh, hits. As part of the rebrand plans, which were announced by Chris McCarthy, president and CEO of, uh, of Icon CBS Media Networks and MTV Entertainment Studios, the company canceled a slew of unscripted series. Ink Master, Wife Swap, Battle of the Fittest Couples did not know that last show existed. And they were going to move shows like Bar Rescue and Lip Sync Battle to other networks. This isn't the only network that rebranded under the Viacom CBS banner. Comedy Central. Jesus, you hear the roll by right now. <laughs> if, you, if, you can, if you hear it on the microphone, uh, it sounds like uh, seven wagons are driving by, or riding by, and, uh, and there's 12 people out there pulling them, and they're gone. Okay, so Viacom CBS uh, rebranded. What they did was essentially a couple years ago, they had all of these networks, when they when they came back together, when Viacom and CBS came back together, they had everything from Comedy Central to MTV to VH1, BET, uh, and, and every other channel under those that, you know, that don't really matter. Bravo, I guess. And then they basically took amalgamations of both of those companies and made one big television group and then kind of downsized the networks themselves. And so they had like, then that's when they became the tentpole networks for those for Viacom CBS. So again, Bravo, VH1, MTV, not just not MTV Classic, not MTV2, just MTV, Comedy Central, Paramount Network. And... They define them, they define those networks with their, I'm doing this all from memory, so uh, don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> they uh, they decided to have all of the cartoon shows, all the adult animation go over to Comedy Central, all of the, uh, I guess, I don't, I guess the sitcom stuff went over to, or live action stuff went over to um, MTV, and then VH1 got its own thing, Bravo got the reality stuff, and then Paramount Network and that move was going to become the new movie place. And it seems as the as as though I don't know what's going on in MTV because I don't watch that, but it seems as though the Comedy Central idea is still, you know, going through because they have a cup they have at least one new adult animation show coming. The air reruns of Futurama and King of the Hill uh and they had BoJack Horseman for a little bit, but I don't know what happened to the rights for that. They, I guess they just let those slip after six months. And they do the era, uh, what's it called? The Office, and it's they aired in order. I, what, what is this deal? What are the deal? What, what's the deal? What's the deal with these these cable networks airing a series in order? Right now, FX is airing The Simpsons in order and King of the Hill in order. Just pick random episodes. These are cartoons and Family Guy in order. Just pick random episodes. They don't. We don't need to see. They're not serialized. You know, make. I don't understand. You know, if I had, if I had, if I was an, if I was a programming person, 
uh, and I've worked with a bunch of programming people. If I was a programming person, I would have, I would just air, you know, uh, like an amalgam, not amalgamation. I would air like a, a bunch of themed nights. You know, I would have uh, uh, Mondays with Marge. It just have a Monday night with f- six episodes of The Simpsons back to back or four, however many they do in that block. And, uh, and, and, and they're all Marge episodes. Uh, or I would like, uh, I would have like the moms, moms of Monday. And it's just <laughs> episodes of the Simpsons and Bob's burgers and family guy. And they follow the, the matriarchs of the family. I would just do theme nights and then, you know, Halloween, obviously do the Halloween episodes and Valentine's day, do the Valentine's day episodes and Christmas. It's that, that's just, that's an easier way to do it. And I've seen how programming people work because I've been in meetings with them and they go, we're going to do this night. Like when you're, when you're watching Cartoon Network, and I'm not saying that because I work for them now, but when you're watching Cartoon Network, you see uh, just like a bunch of episodes of Craig of the Creek air and they're not, they don't all, sometimes they have to do with each other. Sometimes they don't. Or same thing for Teen Titans Go, Nickelodeon, SpongeBob, you know, it's it, it, it Gravity Fall. Oh, well, Disney XD airs that stuff in order too. Anyway, I know a lot of thought goes into it. I understand that, but just saying. Ink Master is supposed to return to Paramount Plus. Bar Rescue returned to Paramount Network last May. The Last Cowboy was an unscripted series from uh, Yellowstone co-creator Taylor Sheridan. Moved from Paramount Network to CMT. They own CMT. I forgot about that. So they own BET, CMT. Bravo, VH1, MTV, Comedy Central, Paramount Network. That's seven networks. Good Lord. That's a lot. Disney's got like Disney XD, ABC, ESPN, ESPN, ESPN. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Well, let's just name one. ESPN, ABC. Okay, fine. Whatever. When you put this stuff into consideration, it's a lot of networks. I wonder what happened to the idea itself. Uh, They... Paramount Paramount's a very finicky company when it comes when it comes to this. They they have they're they're very wishy washy on their decisions to do uh whatever it is for for you know what to when it comes to this to airing or to uh, ac- acquisitions and things. They they're the they're one of the few that um networks and companies <laughs> that you know when they they have Paramount Plus obviously and they're the home of the new Star Trek shows and that that means they have the old Star Trek shows and sometimes the movies and everything. Uh, but they also, they also uh, sell the rights for Star Trek. They're not the rights, <laughs> the syndication rights, I guess they also give those away to other streamers. Like you can find, you can watch Star Trek, uh, the next generation and the other deep space, deep space nine and, um, the original show and the rest of those Voyager. I'm going to keep naming them. That's five. That's it. I did. You can watch the you can watch those shows on Netflix and I believe on Hulu. Because that that's a good way. Yeah, you make your money, but then also if people want to watch the continuation of the series is serieses, then watch it on uh, Paramount Plus. Speaking of big companies, this comes from Hollywood Reporter written by George Zelai. NBC's Peacock reaches 24.5 million U.S. monthly active accounts, and I'm one of them. Quarterly loss of 559 million. 
This is big news. <laughs> Comcast, uh, Peacock basically lost $1.7 billion for Comcast uh, within the last year. That includes that $559 million uh, new thing, amount of money. <laughs> last summer, there were 54 million signups in the U.S., but they didn't provide a third quarter update, which means that that they were already in the downward spiral. Spiral. Uh, Peacock launched, uh, and I don't think it is just like the just like the previous version of this. Uh, Comcast also launched CISO in the oh boy when this show started when C plus comedy started in like two thousand and uh, I graduated college, so it was before that. In like 2011 or 12, something like that, and it CISO was just comedy focused. It was five dollars a month, and it was not. I mean, it had a lot of it had some good shows, but it was not a good streaming platform, unfortunately. And when Peacock was announced, it was kind of you know they said it's going to be free, but then you can also pay for it uh, to get rid of the ads, and, uh, and then also you have to pay more money to get the a lot of exclusive things, which. I think kind of it hurts them in the long run. Three different tiers, and they're and they're, it's really it's relative. It's affordable, but are people really going to be seeking out Peacock shows? And a lot of the shows are good. MacGruber is good. Rutherford Falls, all the, like Hitman, all of the all the shows are great. Uh, Saved by the Bell, and what else? What else do I watch on there? Uh, uh, oh, I watched AP Bio, but they canceled that. So it's unfortunate to see that Peacock is falling, and I have been championing this idea since the beginning that Peacock should have just been an, an, like an Amazon channel or an add-on or something. Why would you? Why would you opt to lose 1.7 billion? Everybody wants a piece of the streaming pie. I understand, and everybody, uh, whether whether internally they think they're going to be, you know, up in the with the greats of Netflix and uh, Disney Plus, or they're okay like Paramount Plus, like Viacom, CBS knows. They know for a fact over there that that that's that this is that Paramount Plus, which was CBS All Access, is an add-on streamer. Is that just what they? I wonder what the timeline would be for Showtime Anytime to be, or Showtime rather, to be nixed and mixed in with Paramount Plus. I think that would. I think having those two, you can get them together. I believe you can get a not a bundle, but you can get them together. It's the same company, but you know, having I mean, it's the same conundrum with CNN Plus. We don't need CNN Plus. We have HBO Max. But with CNN Plus, you have live streaming news. Same Fox News also has a streaming app, and uh, it's only a matter. Of, oh, CBS News is doubling down on news streaming. Uh, I'll be doing an episode on all of this in a couple of weeks of news time. Uh, eventually when I get back to news time. <laughs> uh, right now, we're in a little bit of a break. Oh. Okay. Anyway. I just got an email. I just checked it. No offense. No offense. I'm doing an episode. I got to keep I gotta keep track of my personal email. <laughs> For the full year 2021 media unit results include an adjusted loss of $1.7 billion dollars Related to Peacock on $778 million in revenue. 
A big improvement in the theme parks unit, thanks to the reopening of big pandemic hit, of a, after a big pandemic hit and the launch of a new park in China, more than offset declines in other divisions of the entertainment arm. And then uh, they had a big loss of cable subscribers as well. I wonder where Comcast's endgame is for Peacock. Because they're doing... Universal is doing Comcast. They're doing the... Uh, they, li- they did the limited... They're starting the limited movie win- theatrical window. They're the ones who jumpstarted that this entire trend, which is going to be, which is good for them right now. Uh, but if they they need to release movies because they pushed back three different Fast and Furious movies, including the last one that just came out. So I wonder where they're going to go next with Peacock uh, after this quarter. I think it's, it's probably going to lose more money because they there's nothing there's nothing that's driving people to sign up for it even if if it's free no one's going to pay for it i accidentally still subscribe to it cuz i i was watching um uh MacGruber and then my i put on the calendar i always do this i put on my calendar when to cancel subscriptions and then it 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 uh subscribe resubscribed early for me it subscribed a day early cuz i had it on the day of uh, subscribing i should have uh, i should have put it the day before So Peacock uh, still exists, and uh, you know, quite frankly, I don't think it should. But competition is good for streamers, and um, Peacock is going to push these other ones to do. You know, Peacock offers something that only Paramount Plus offers. Uh, in that, when you're subscribed, you get they have uh, 24 hour channels, versus the only other way to get that is if you go to Pluto TV or uh, Tubi TV. And yes, those are free, but they're going to be more heavily ad-supported. And if you watch the free channels on Paramount Plus or uh, Peacock, then you're not going to get all the same. You're not going to get, you know, Pluto has, let's say, uh, 200 channels. And you're probably only interested in maybe 20 of them. And yeah, you can favor them, but it only that only goes so far. Versus with Peacock, it's going to be, if you're interested in the... Um, uh, the f- God, what is it? The family of Comcast or NBC Universal channels, or the same thing for Paramount Plus. If you're interested in the Viacom CBS channels, then you can watch all the SpongeBob stuff. Even though that same channel probably exists for Pluto, because Viacom CBS owns Pluto. <laughs> it's about retention. Just stay on the same app, and you'll be fine. That's what they want. Hey, let me jump down really quick. I want to do a different topic right now, and then I'll go to the last thing. This is going to be very short. This comes from the New York Times, written by Brooks Barnes, the double B, documentary critical of Disney from the Disney family. Abigail E. Disney, who's a, who is a Disney, she's a, I think that was her grandfather, great uncle, excuse me. Yeah, her grandfather, grandfather, yeah. She uh, has made a. Uh, she's been very outspoken about Disney's not recent but growing monopolistic nature and how it treats uh, its employees and things of that nature and the people around it. Uh, she's created an activist-minded documentary, as Mr. Barnes writes, "The American Dream and Other Fairy Tales" about the pay gap between 
uh, corporate haves and have-nots. It's going to premiere today, Monday, January 31st. To paint the harsh picture, Ms. Disney and uh, the person she made this with, Kathleen Hughes, who directed the movie. You know Kathleen Hughes. She directed, uh, let's see. Oh, I love, I love how loud this keyboard is. (laughs) Hey, maybe I uh, looked up the wrong Kathleen Hughes. (laughs) Oh, I definitely did. This one has not worked since 1998. So maybe I should type in the word Kathleen Hughes, director. Yeah, that's. I guess this is her. Oh my gosh, am I crazy? Oh, here's her LinkedIn. I'm gonna I'm gonna click on her LinkedIn and she'll get she'll get the little pop. Oh, look at that. Okay, <laughs> she's a director. I, I guess I can't find anything that she's done. But let it be known, she's a director. I put my hand up to signify. I'm serious about this. To paint a harsh picture of Ms. Disney and Ms. Hughes' profile, four Disneyland custodians who, at the time of filming pre-pandemic, earned $15 an hour. They all struggle mightily with soaring housing costs in Southern California. One says uh, he knows Disneyland workers who have had to, quote, make a decision between medication or food. But, however, Abigail Disney's own company, her own production company, which was co-founded with Adrian Becker, this comes from The Hollywood Reporter, written by Rebecca Keegan, has been, uh, has had its own, quote, heartbreaking treatment. She's a, she's a philanthropist, a a philanthropist, Ms. Disney. At her company, Level Forward, It's been associated with uh, an impressive slate of theater and film projects from women and people of color, including Alanis Morissette and Diablo Cody's uh, musical Jagged Little Pill, the Jeremy O'Harris play Slave Play, or Jeremy O'Harris's Slave Play, rather, and Heidi Schreck's Broadway production of What the Constitution Means to Me, which is on Amazon Prime, if you want to watch that. But level forward, but while level forward backed inclusive projects, it could not it could be a marginalizing workplace, especially for women of color, according to several former employees. Becker wanted staff of color to be prominently featured in publicity surrounding the company, but minimize their power within it, say some former employees. Now, obviously, um, Disney Ms. Disney does not have the final say in a lot of... Well, I mean, she probably does have the final say, and maybe she was just too busy. Uh, I'm not defending her or anything, but... You know, this is what this is what happens when uh, you... You're, you're trying to... Disney is a, a big company, and she obviously... And, and then uh, Abigail broke off from that company because it's not... You know, in recent years, it just hasn't been uh, the best place for work. And and even so, even in a smaller production company like hers, it's it's still uh, discriminatory and unfair to former employees uh, where where she is. Um, 
and they've acknowledged that, which is good. Abigail Disney and uh, and and Ms. Hughes have acknowledged that that she, even even that they have uh, been uh, part of the problem. Also, let's not talk about net worth. I see, I see. There's a sentence here on the Hollywood Reporter thing where who has a net worth? Net worth means nothing. Net worth means nothing in the long run. I just listened to Bob Iger talk talk to uh, Kara Swisher about him and and working for Disney and and all the things. Uh, she didn't press too far into uh, something I would like is the uh, the wages and all that stuff, but they did talk about it. Uh, and even still, you know, him being separated from Disney, he still has, I mean, he's looking back on it with, uh, uh rose colored glasses, rose tinted glasses. Level forward is set up as a public benefit corporation designed to be a for-profit entity, but one that calls for serving the public good as part of its charter. It's generated $40 million in production financing for its various projects. And Disney has even said in 2018 at the Sundance Film Festival that Level Forward is committed to the vision of unlocking, amplifying storytelling from all corners and perspectives. I want. I wonder, there's uh, 11 employees since the fall of 2020. Uh, I wonder how they're going to get past this. And even still, her documentary isn't going to... We know that Disney's not... I mean, well, you should know. I, first of all, you should know. Disney does not really pay its parks employees very well. And, uh, and it's not going to change anything because Disney has even responded. The Disney, the company, has responded to Abigail's uh, accusatory messages saying we are saddened and deeply ashamed you know things along that nature it's crazy because bob chapek uh boy oh boy walked away with so much money last year same thing for bob Iger. they both walked away with a crap ton of money Even during a even during a year where there was a, 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 a you know we're still in this, we're in the second year of the pandemic, they walked away with so much thirty two point five million for JPEG. And yeah, that comes with the title, like the money comes with the title, and yeah, you're leading a company and everything. But when there are people making sixteen dollars an hour or twenty four, uh, le- you know, less than you know, or at least a little bit more than minimum wage in Southern California or uh, Florida. What is that movie with um, that movie that was shot? The the guy shot on iPhone uh, at the end of it. What was it called? Uh, Florida Project. It was a great movie, and you and you got to see uh, what it's like. Although it's fictionalized, but you get to see what it's like living in uh, near Disney, like near a theme park. And it's supposed to be this beautiful, wondrous place. And for it to just sting for you not to be able to afford any of that stuff. Florida Project's a, f- a fantastic movie. I uh, Who is it? Soderbergh? Sean Baker. Sean Baker. That's the guy who shot, who shoots stuff on his phone. Which I think is stupid. Don't shoot things on your phone. 
He also shot Tangerine, which I think was shot on his phone. Shot on the phone, but also has like a, a $20,000 lens or something like that. Okay. Let's move on to the final thing. So I can get out of here. <laughs> We're talking about Neil Young and Spotify, baby. Obviously, you've heard, you've, you've had to have heard about this. This comes from Wall Street Journal and Steel. Spotify takes down Neil Young's music after his Joe Rogan ultimatum. The short of it is, the camera shut off on me. <laughs> All right, I guess that it's telling me, let's go to break. When we come back, we'll talk about this. Here we go. Go on a break. <laughs> And we're back to the show. Let's get on with this. And Steele, Wall Street Journal, if you recall. Spotify takes down Neil Young's music after his Joe Rogan ultimatum. So Neil Young has gotten fed up with Joe Rogan. Talking about that misinformation over there with the uh, COVID-19. And last week, at one point, Neil Young says, hey, Spotify. You remove Joe Rogan or, or remove my music. I'm not gonna be. I'm not gonna be sitting down there anymore, taking this because Joe Rogan is uh, spouting misinformation on his show about the pandemic, and his get he's letting his guests do the same thing. And Neil Young does not want any part of it. Well, as it turns out, Spotify just let them have it. Spotify just said. Look, we can't, we can't do that. <laughs> and uh, Neil Young's uh, 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 took his music down. His label took the music down. Joni Mitchell joined him as well. And that's how this next one comes from Ann Steele over at the Wall Street Journal. Neil Young's radio channel on Sirius XM is revived after Spotify removal. So his, so Spotify's loss was everybody else's gain. Um, Apple Music. Amazon Prime, Prime Music, Prime Music, and uh, SiriusXM, they all jumped at the chance to say, hey, Neil Young, we have your music still, and we're going to champion you. Apple Music even touted Neil Young as uh, uh, the the home of, or something like that. What was it? It was like the home of, uh, control F, A-A-P-L, whatever, the home of Neil Young's music. <laughs> They made playlists. Sirius XM, as I previously stated, brought back the, uh, whatchamacallit. And Neil Young himself, he referred to <laughs> Spotify's, he referred to Spotify as uh, music quality as, I'm going to curse here, as shitty. It was very, it's a very funny way for like an old man to, like, to just say like, oh, Spotify's got shitty music quality. I think it's great. Apparently he likes Apple Music, uh, excuse me, Amazon Music's uh, music quality. Tidal even jumped in on that. The Jay-Z music streaming service. And they, and Tidal has the best hi-fi uh, music streaming. It does. I, I think it does. Uh, Tidal and uh, uh, Apple Music are tied. I have not tried Amazon's. Even then... Spotify's market share dropped last week. This comes from Variety, written by Todd Spangler. They lost more than $2 billion in market value. 
which is a lot of money for the one of the only one of the few unicorns, tech unicorns to uh, to 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 make money. And it lost uh, two billion shares of Spotify fell six percent. But I mean, that's not fair because last week there was a bad week in the stock game. It was a 19, now there's a 19 month low of 171 per share. $171.32 per share. Spotify stock price is already on the slide, having plummeted 25% year to date as of January 25th, the day before Young's catalog was pulled off of Spotify. Also, Netflix, we know that their market share dropped uh, by a cool 24% or so. Now, they did have a rebound, and uh, Joe Rogan did come out and say that he did not apologize, but he did say that he's he's there to have conversations or some, you know, whatever crap he said. Uh, and he did not respond to the show. He responded on Instagram, I believe, and I saw it. That was the talk of the town this morning on CNBC and uh, the morning shows across uh, ABC, NBC, and CBS, as well as uh, the Wall Street Journal's own, uh, what's it called, What's News? But here's an interesting piece from Ashley Carmen over at The Verge, why Spotify can't afford to lose Joe Rogan. You know, now you'll never you won't see Spotify come out and say that uh, Joe was wrong. In fact, they did release a statement on Sunday or Monday today, yesterday or today, saying that they will be posting uh, if for for COVID-19 shows, they would for for episodes of podcasts rather that. Uh, talk about the pandemic, the COVID-19 and and all that stuff, they're going to put up like disclaimers, which is the same thing that uh, Disney did for, for movies, the early movies from like the 19, the early 1900s, rather the 1900s. (laughs) It's movies. It's early. It's early movies that involve uh, race or depictions of race and everything. Uh, Oh God, what movie was it? I was, I saw a movie on Amazon it was a Disney movie, and in the bottom corner on the oh no, it's not it's not a movie, it's a TV show. If you look at uh, the Chippendale Rescue Rangers show, is about to be released on DVD in February, uh, the complete series for those who want that for some reason, which is probably going to be. Um, but if you look in the back corner of the of the of the the the, the case, it says uh, racial depictions. It's like it's like a racial depictions thing. It's it says like ah uh, oh God, now I got to do this. Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers DVD. Oh, there's a movie coming. I forgot about that. There's a new version of the DVD coming out. There's already one that's already out. Who would buy Tailspin? Again, me. (laughs) Wait, I think I saw it. Uh, Okay, yeah. This is at Best Buy pre-order, $35. On Blu-ray. Oh, they don't have the back of it. Anyway, it it says it. It says it on the back. If you if you just if you go if you see it on Amazon or something, it's uh, it's a very funny thing. So, Ashley Carmen is uh, indeed correct. They spent Spotify spent a crap ton of money for Joe Rogan. That is their highest highest paid show. Uh, uh, they they paid for a highest paid pro- podcast product. They paid for a hundred million dollars. That's still like one guy. And as Carmen writes, it marks a critical turning point in Spotify's company narrative. 
they're not they're not just a music company anymore. They're they're doing these radio shows, and and this is this is going to cost them so much money. Um, the the interesting part of the well, I mean, it's not going to cost this move is not going to cost them money. But the interesting part of this is that uh, Neil Young even admitted that uh, he's losing he's by taking his music off of uh, Spotify, he's going to lose sixty percent of his revenue income. Uh, revenue income. Revenue income. What does that mean? Revenue income. And uh, I mean, I don't know if that's exactly an, an accurate figure. Uh, and I, and I'm sure that you know his team told him to say those numbers or whatever, or like they had a meeting in those numbers. But it's, uh, whatever, anyway. Because I know a lot of people don't make money off of uh, Spotify or for streaming music. The company loses money. Every time someone streams young songs, Spotify does, which is why Spotify wanted to get into podcasting in the first place. So if you're not, if you're not as big as uh, Drake or uh, Taylor Swift, as Carmen writes, then it just doesn't even, it doesn't even matter if your music's on there or not. But he's still one of the most well-known musicians out there. Uh, I can't say the same for, you know, and, and also Joni Mitchell, Joni Mitchell as well. But uh, if you know music, then you know them. If you don't know who they are, then this doesn't pertain to you. But also you should know, if you if you like listening to music, you should know every facet and all the people who set up the current. Like if you like rock, then you should know the people who help create rock and where it came from and all those things if you like rap then you should know that stuff and there should be a lot of cross-section of everything i think the best musicians are the ones who know everything like lil wayne he knows he listens to rock he listens to rap he listens to uh motown like and because he's sampled all that stuff and so obviously you know he's a good musician same thing for springsteen taylor wonderful even drake he knows uh all of that caribbean stuff and he's and he's and he can make he can channel that and do his own. Okay, anyway, whatever. Who cares? Shows other shows on Spotify like Armchair Expert and Call Her Daddy, which are I think I think Call Her Daddy, which is a, I just hate saying that, and I just hate I hate those people who make those type of shows. <laughs> I think uh, uh, that those are also I think that's also a Spotify exclusive. But uh, buying ads for those shows don't equate to even what Rogan can do. And even though he's uh, doesn't have the same listenership as he does when he was uh, independent and not on Spotify exclusively because that's the only place you can listen to him. He's still doing just streets ahead, to quote community, <laughs> streets ahead of what, what anybody else is doing, unfortunately. <laughs> the industry relies on word of mouth and curated lists and the hope that uh, and the hope is that software recommendations will do more someday in the future. But Spotify is not there yet. No one is there yet. So Spotify not only sided with its star podcaster, but is com- also completely financially motivated to push his content to users and can't even blame a bad algorithm. Spotify told the Wall Street Journal yesterday, or, you know, whatever, 
Uh, it has taken down 20,000 podcast episodes in violation of, quote, detailed content policies related to COVID-19. It's unclear if what I quoted, uh, what Carmen quoted above, is the detailed policy or if it is uh, goes beyond the sentence, a sentence. And then she asked, what does Spotify consider crossing the line? I, it's, you know, God, it's... It, it's a corporate structure that they kind of, they have to they're making their own rules and they they're adhering to their own rules and they're still making it up as they go as things go along um and um unfortunately that's just how it's going to have to go uh for now when it comes to how when they when they want it when they buy when they buy these big things and uh the freedom of speech uh becomes a a part of it all a part of the the conversation you know, when you go, when you listen to a show uh, like Comedy Bang Bang and a comedian makes a joke that is dark or, you know, or a, a character makes a joke uh, along those lines, uh, we know they're joking. But when it comes to a conversational podcast such as the Joe Rogan Experience or Orange Expert or it, it, it doesn't even matter, uh, uh, WTF, shows like Fresh Air, it doesn't matter. It's... Uh, Somebody said, I'll say a fifth one. Um, I don't know. Uh, the Ezra Klein show. People have to be held accountable, accountable, accountable for uh, the things that they say. And uh, it's, it's tough. It's tough when I think even spot, I think even the big wigs at Spotify know that they should say something, but they have to stay along by uh keeping their big podcaster happy and keeping advertisers happy and if uh they'll go with the thing that makes the money most all right listen if you like what you heard here head to the website cpluscomedy.com where you see me talk to comedians sometimes uh try to set up an interview last week i was offered one said hey can we do it this week and uh they said yeah let's get back and then the per- and then they came back and they said ah oh, they're feeling kind of uh, uh busy can you do it in spring? I want spring. The thing that they're that they're doing now is is coming out now, but whatever, it's fine. You want to see a video version of the show? You want to see the kind of snacks that are over my left shoulder? Camera right. You can head to oh, there's a there's some chips, there's some ramen, there's a couple of taco shell boxes that one of them is going to expire uh, today. Actually, a couple of cereal boxes. YouTube.com slash C plus comedy to see that. You can also see your premiere show news time, which I have taken for some reason three weeks off, but I have plenty of time to write. But I have to write three episodes this week. We'll see what happens. It'll happen. Uh, what else? What else? What else? What else? Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at C plus comedy. Rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends about this show. This is the end of the episode. I'm gonna press outro right now. Goodbye.